This week we continue our inquiry and exploration into philosophy with local WA philosophical lecturer Mira Finnegan. Mira sets the scene of what philosophy and philosophical inquiry is all about before sharing some of the big questions that she herself is wrestling with currently. She takes us on a fantastic tour through the origins of philosophy and some of the great thinkers that have come before us. She also introduces us to the three main areas, that of metaphysics, epistemology and ethics, or in other words, questions relating to our reality, our knowledge and our sense of right and wrong. This is a fun and engaging conversation where we exchange many views. And what you can begin to see is just how some of those bigger questions that many of the great thinkers that have come before us has wrestled with still apply to today and our current situation. So enjoy Mira. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Today, I have the great pleasure of welcoming Mira Finnegan. Mira, welcome to the show. Thank you. So um, we're gonna dive into philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just to set the scene, Yep. So uh, you've been tutoring in academia um, and in the community for about 20 years, is that right? Um, no, it's, um, no, it's probably less than that. All right. Um, I graduated with a degree in philosophy in 2006, but I didn't actually start oh. to use that degree until about 2010. Right. Yeah. So you've been at it um, for 10 years then? Yeah. Probably 10 okay. years, yeah. So, so I'm new to philosophy. So new for 10 years? After, yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> and so, I mean, you have an interesting background, you know, the nurse training and some you know, government, non-government, personal development with mm. couples and families and stuff like that. What drew you to philosophy? You know, it, any day I can answer that differently. Yes, um, all right, because, so, so today... today? <laughs> Today, um, I, I think it's because I was trying to make sense of the world in my family right. as a child. And so I think I've always been trying to do that in various kinds of settings, starting mm. with my family and then school and through all the institutions that one engages with over time. And in relationships, I think it's just been an underlying concern of mine to find what's really going on. Yes. Yeah. And what can I do about it? Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's... this underlying confusion of what's going on out there and how do well, I make sense of it? Well, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I wouldn't... Yeah, mm. I, I guess philosophy starts from ignorance in a way. Right. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. Yeah. So it, it's sort of not that I'm confused because I yeah. actually don't know. So it's not really confusion, is oh, it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to. So I want to find out. Yeah. Um, and I worked in the helping profession for most of my adult life until you know my mid fifties. Yes. When I basically burnt out. Right. And I, I knew that I couldn't continue that work any longer. And, um, and I decided that I'd like to go back and do some academic study just to, mm. you know, get, get my head straight maybe. Yes. 
and I can't remember why I chose philosophy, to be honest. Um, I didn't want to do philosophy, yeah, I, I, sorry, I didn't want to do psychology. I, I already had been working in social work and I didn't want to, I didn't mm. want to do it. I wanted to get away from that sort of world of, of helping, helping. Um, in that sense of dealing with the trauma and the, mm. and the pain that we, you know, endured during our lives. And, um, Mm. Yeah, so anyways, I, I landed in philosophy and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Yes. My first lecture on logic. <laughs> I was right where I needed to right be. Right where you needed yeah. to be. Yeah. It's like nectar too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Superb. Um, so let, let's get straight into it. Yeah. Um, because one of the things I'd like to be able to do with this conversation. Yeah is probably to do a bit of destigmatizing around philosophy. Great. Um, I think people know about it, but they don't know mm, about it. Yeah. I think we probably know more about it than we realize and, and stuff. So I thought we'd be able to destigmatize it as well as look at just why is it important? Yeah. So let's start with an, let's start with a, a nice, you know, a, a two, a two part massive question. What is it? And why is it important? <laughs> no. <laughs> Great. Um, the best way of answering yes. what is philosophy is by doing it. Now that sounds trite, no, but it's I'll... actually true. Yes. Um, you say doing it, you mean? Doing it, yes. Yeah. So engaging, engaging with the body of, of knowledge, if you mm. like. Um, and um, so it is a discipline in, yeah. in the sense that I'm using it. Yes. Of course, we, we use it in our colloquial language. We say, you know, well, this is my philosophy. It's that, you know, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or it's better to be kind than, hmm. you know, than honest. Or um, So we, we each have a view of what we've developed as our own personal philosophy, and that's valid. But that's not what I'm talking about. Hmm. It's more the discipline of philosophy that we've had in the West for you know, three and a half thousand years of, rec of recorded history anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's engaging with that. Yes. That intellectual tradition. Yes. So it's using reason. Yep. To discover what, what is real, what is knowledge. Um, it's the, some philosophers might, some of the, you know, enlightenment philosophers might say that it's the triumph of reason mm. over passion. Yeah, yeah, enlightenment, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that um, uh, Mary Midgley, a brilliant woman, British philosopher who only died last year at 98, didn't quite mm. make 100. She said, philosophy is like plumbing. Right. She said, um, you get a bad smell. <laughs> and you know something's wrong and she said you may have to pull up the floorboards and you know dismantle the s-bend under the sink until you find what the bad smell is and then you can start to do something about it right and that's a very earthy metaphor it is it's like plumbing so is that yeah. someone's own plumbing or is that collective no, plumbing yeah well we we deal with universal so Right. Different. I I know we were talking earlier about you know uh, psychology and philosophy. So in philosophy, we're seeking to universalize to yes. to be general rather than mm. than particular. Yeah. So she's talking so about it's chunking right up and yeah, 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 yeah. 
So, um, yeah, so she's talking about a bad smell, maybe in um, the way we, you know, we do government uh, or, yeah. you know, the way we've managed COVID or the way we've, yeah, so that's the sort of bad smell she's talking about. Like something's rotten in the state of Denmark that Shakespeare refers to. Right, um, yes. Yeah. So it's about asking bigger, bigger questions. Big questions, yeah. That yeah. we sort of mentioned this before, which recorded, but it's about asking the bigger questions that you won't necessarily get to the answer, but mm. it's the point of wrestling yeah. with the question. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, yeah. So it's sort of a a reasoned pursuit of what is true and what is knowledge and how should we act. Yeah, and they're the three yeah. sort of they're main the areas. Yeah. That's right, the, yeah. What is true, as in? What is real. What is real, yeah. and yeah. So it's what, how do we make sense? Or how do, what is reality? How mm. do we make sense? And what is right and wrong? Yeah, that's it. Which. One of the, I mean, I was going to ask this later, question later on, but I'll ask it now. On one level, do you think we're all philosophers? We all have the potential to be philosophers, yes. I think, in the sense that I'm using it. Yes. Yeah. I think we are already philosophers. If we can reason, if yes. we use our faculty of reason, then we're philosophizing. Yes. Um, and, and By reason, you mean? Thinking. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking critically. Yes. Yeah. So sort of critical reasoning. So if I say I get a gut feeling about something, hmm. then um, you know that informs me. Um, but in order for that to be, for me to consider that knowledge, I need to reason about it. Yes. So you might say, why am I getting that? What's hmm. what's going on? What's coming up? Yeah. Um, what do I think about it? What do I know about that? So it's um, yeah. So so it's the it's it's mainly philosophy is about thinking, hmm. and it's and we're thinking about thinking, which drives people mad. That's yes. one of the things yeah. about philosophy that people don't like. But um, but it is thinking about thinking, yeah, hmm. as well. Is it? Um, because we have, one of the things I've started to, what's made helpful for me to make sense of the world is delineate yeah. from what's an interior experience yeah. for me versus an exterior, slightly more objective experience where, you know, if I was to, I know, if I was to throw this pen at you, yeah. then we both know that I threw the pen at you. Yeah. And there'll be a rest, exactly. But if I was to go off on a little adventure in my head, you'd be none the wiser um, and how does philosophy sort of apply to that interior and or exterior okay. yeah did you see yeah yeah I do I think I, it's an yeah, important question oh, it's a really important question and it's one that you know um, all good philosophers down the ages have grappled with yes um, the, so that let's say that, that there is an external world, and not all philosophers be, believe there is. Yeah. <laughs> but let's say there is an external world. It's yes. it's sensible to say that, as far as I'm concerned. Um, 
And so that is a thing in itself. So, you know, you're a thing in itself. The glass is a thing in itself. And so is the pen that you're going to throw at me. Yeah. Um, but the meaning that we bring to those things mm. is our own subjective experience. And that's what the conflict is. How can our, our subjective experience of the world be knowledge? Mm. And we that's say knowledge. The knowledge, yeah. As in knowing. Knowing. Yeah. And again, the next question it's, I want to or clarify in there is: yeah. Is that like personal knowledge or collective knowledge? Well, and then we're back into the same thing again. We, that's the problem. So yeah. So. Um, <laughs> This is so fun. No, yeah, it's fun. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. If you don't find so, it fun, no. you're switched off by now. That's yeah, fine. Exactly. <laughs> Stay in. Sorry, Stay folks. In. Hang in there. Stay in. <laughs> um, so, justified knowledge. So, if it's just knowledge that about me and my perception, mm. well, that's not very useful. For to philosophy, mm. um, the study of what is real and what is knowledge. I accept that it's, it's your experience and it's knowledge to you, but in order for it to um, be of interest to me as a philosopher, it needs to apply to everyone, not just to you, yes. in order for it to be justified mm. knowledge. So that's not discounting yes. your experience, but philosophically, it's, it's, um, it, it's not, unless you can justify it for all of us, Yes. Um, then it's subjective knowledge that is valid in your life and it's essential. Yes. So I would imagine in today's society where um, some of the sort of emerging themes are um, everyone opinion, everyone's opinion is valid, um, truth is relative, um, and subjective and and we seem to be moving more towards that as we you know as we look after minority identity yeah. groups and that they seem to increase and increase and increase mm. as we want to delineate and delineate and delineate that then this this pursuit of wanting to look for more sort of universal truths yeah can actually even be confronting to that sort of cultural movement yeah, it is a cultural movement, that's right. It's not mm. a philosophical position, yes. as, as, as you would know. Um, so, um, it's grown out of the postmodernist movement. So those of us who've grown yes. up in the 60s and, and, and to now, that's been, that's been how we've, we've sort of been enculturated about yes. truth. So, and it can be handy, you know, yeah, if yeah. you're in a dispute, you can say, well, you've got your truth and I've got mine yeah. and it diffuses conflict. good way to finish it, yeah. It's not, yeah. And, in, and I imagine in the 60s, not that I was there, but chatting no, to mum and yeah, dad, you you know, yeah. I came briefly after <laughs> in the 70s. Um, but, you know, you, you, you get a sense that there was something really to push off against mm -hmm. there from, you know, these very um, uh, uh, rigid, overly rational um, mm. organizations and systems and it's you know like oh working for the man etc mm -mm. you know i have feelings and thoughts and you know i have my own perspective and there was something really solid and tangible to push off on which now takes yeah. us into where we are and i guess that's what post you're describing postmodernism in yes. a way aren't you it's yes. sort of deconstructing modernism which was about the it's the age of reason and the yes. enlightenment 
and, and scientific yeah. pursuit and it's given scientific us capitalist pursuit. markets yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But it's never been a philosophical position within the halls of academia. Yes. So, you know, relativism is a, it's like you need garlic, you know, to, to, <laughs> to sort of <laughs> keep it away. I know. Um, it's self-refuting. It does, it's, doesn't really make sense philosophically. Yes. It's, as we said, you know, before, it, it helps to diffuse conflict. And you said, you know, so you can end the conversation there in, in peace and politeness. Um, and but of course, we don't it's collide a, much anymore. <laughs> that's right. And you don't really get to, you're talking about the tussle of ideas and so on. Yes. So that's stymied. It's an intellectual brick wall for those of us who are truth seekers. Um, yes. And it doesn't allow for a, a, a belief to be false. And um, mm. so, you know, if we disagree on something and um, then one of us is going to be wrong or both of us are going to be wrong. Yes. <laughs> We're not going to both be right. So it is self-refuting in that way. Yes. And to say that all truth is relative is an absolutist statement. I know. Yeah. And that, yeah. that little penny drop, drop mm. for me, um, I, heard, I heard it, oh, I think it was Ken Wilbur who dropped it mm. for me. Uh, earlier in the year, um, when mm. uh, I thought about it, it's like you know, the very fact and position mm. that all truth is relative comes from a universal perspective, mm. and and for a lot of people, that's mm. like I, I don't get that. But mm. it's it's you're making a grand, like this is how it is statement, yeah. which says that these statements mm. can't exist. Yeah. Which then it collapses in and on itself. And it, it does, that's right. And of course, absolutism, uh, which, yeah. uh, which is in, you know, religious uh, dogma and doctrine, yeah. is, is sort of the antithesis to relativism. And yet the relativist falls into an absolutist trap, um, as you're describing. When, yeah. Yes, yeah. particularly when mm. challenged, it sort mm. of retreats back into yeah. that. So... Um, Is it worth having a brief dive into where philosophy has come? Because many of us will track it back to Greeks. Yeah. Was there much before that? Or, or well, when there's we... no record. There's no <laughs> yeah. record. But or... in the West, anyway, there well, is that's... in other cultures. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. So by, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, the two of us hark from, Eng mm. from Europe, yeah. England much like many people in Australia, yeah. even if you've been here for generations. So there will be some, you know, there'll be something in our genes and something in the way we're brought up that has come from that sort of philosophy. So what are some of the major sort of heavyweights of the Greek thinking? And what did they bring? What did they start on the table? Yeah. That, that's worth considering now. Now. Yeah. I love that question. <laughs> Um, and I tried to keep my podcasts under yeah. like a couple of hours. <laughs> I'll be brief. But um, yeah, but About, podcast guests do yeah. come back. Yeah, all good. <laughs> we need to extend the call. Um So the earliest, well, according to Bertrand Russell, who wrote the you know definitive history of Western philosophy, it was published in 1945. And he's considered a scholar in that field, and um, his book's fantastic. Yes. Um, so he identifies Thales in the 6th century BCE mm -hmm. in um, 
in um, Miletus, which is, I think it used to be Turkey, but mm. they shift, don't they, between Turkey and Greece. So mm. it's sort of Turk, Greek, yeah. Um, and he began to reason in the face of, you know, the mythology of the day. Yes. where the capricious gods governed everything and they, they had dominance over everything and, oh. um, and, um, and the world was understood in relation to the, the, the goings-on of the gods and their interaction with humans and so on. Of course, it was all a figment of their imagination. Hmm. Um, Collective imaginary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and Thales began to reason, well, what is really going on? That question that those of us who are thinkers will have um, at some stage in our life. And, and he, he had that thought, what is the world made of? I think that was, his, that was sort of the first question. And then what is the world made of contains the philosophical question, what is real? Yes. So that's sort of where, where um, uh, Russell places uh, the big, the origin of our intellectual yes. philosophical history. Big Bang of philosophy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Big Bang of philosophy. Great. I might borrow that. Yeah, more than welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, um, so he 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 reasoned that they were trying to find one thing because, and that makes sense to me. Yes. Trying to find one thing when there's absolute chaos. Yes. In that world of ancient Greece. So what is the one thing that the world might be made of? And he, he, he reasoned that it was water, uh, which in a way, you know, it, it's not an idea that it stood the test of time, but he, could, he, he saw that the, you know, that water, the, that, the, that nature, uh, that water changed its form and um, that everything seemed to need water. Mm. Uh, so it was required, it was necessary, it seemed to be universal, so it, yes. was, it became like the first necessary universal idea yeah. that the world is made of water. Yeah. Um, and then um, other philosophers around the same time were trying to figure out what the world was made of, and between them they came up with the four elements, you know, yes. earth, water, fire and air. Mm. Um, and so that wasn't a bad go at it. No. Um, <laughs> um, some of their ideas were bizarre, that yes. obviously not stood the test of time. <clears throat> um, but, but they were great thinkers. And, um, and Thales asked the first sort of epistemological question, like this, the, the study of knowledge, what, you know, what is knowledge? That, you know, Thales asked, well, if this belief is true for me, can it be true for everyone? Mm. And you know, that's another other two that's big bangs possible in Yeah, that's a crack. <laughs> it's a crack. It's like the echo bang. <laughs> oh, that's the echo bang. Good on you. There you go. Like the aftershock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if this uh, is true for me, can it be true, true for, for others? And 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 that's that's a basic of the study of knowledge. That question mm. right mm. there. Mm. We could be doing more, a ton of, you know, without derailing this conversation, take it somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. In a world where um, our perception and, and, and our map of the world is highly influenced by the feeds we're getting onto smart devices and computers through yeah. algorithms and, and what 
have you and particularly where you know in, in I think it was in the US you know one feed can show you cops beating up black people and then another yeah. feed can show feed can show you black people beating up cops mm. just to ask that question right there is the truth that I believe in widely shared by others or yeah if, you know yeah. That's not a bad question to check yourself with most days, no, is it? No, isn't, isn't it a good question? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that question's over uh, 2,000 years old. Yeah, it's like 3,000 years 3, old. 3,000 years yeah, old, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So those, pr pr what we call the pre-Socratic philosophers, yeah. um, were doing some major groundwork mm. for the philosophers that came after them, like Plato and Ari Socrates, Plato and Aristotle, mm. the big three. The, the <laughs> heavy pun for that. Yeah, the big three. <laughs> yeah, the big three. The heavyweights. So, the heavyweights, yeah. So, but you know, like Newton said, he was standing on the shoulders of giants. Yes. So, so were so were these th three greats. They were standing on the shoulders of these pre-Socratic philosophers who, you know, I mean. Mm. Sally's, um, it's reported, um, predicted a solar eclipse to the day right. without any instruments. Uh, but, you know, they, they were studying math, math, mathematics and measurements. Mm -hmm. and, um, so, um, yes, yeah, so, the, so the next phase, was, it gets referred to as the golden age of f philosophy, and that's with Socrates, mm -hmm. um, Plato and Aristotle. Um, and, um, you know, you mentioned before about Socratic dialogue and um, just that was a major contribution. Mm. And just so that, readers are clear, by Socratic dialogue we mean? Um, questioning, questioning yeah. each other. So yes. having an interlocutor to, Inter yeah. Yeah, to, to, to ask, like he would ask, who, who would go and just anyone that would engage with him, he'd yes. ask them questions of the what is, uh, yeah. kind and listen um, and question and query and, and just challenge keep, and get curious yeah, and, yeah exactly that yeah and he, he you know he won a group of admiring followers but he also made lots of enemies especially in high places we would do you yeah, would do <laughs> keep yeah asking. so yeah so he'd stand outside the senate for example and you know the house of representatives and as well and when the senators came out he would ask them questions like what is justice and he would keep exposing the fact that they don't know what justice is yes. and that they don't really care what justice is. Yes. Um, so he would expose people's ignorance and their, um, their lack of commitment to, their, you know, to the task that's, that, that the people are giving them. Mm. And um, so, yeah, he, he made lots of enemies. Um, but he, uh, and of course, we, we, we don't know anything directly from him. There's no mm. source, uh, primary source to him. It's all coming to us through Plato. Right. Who, um, you would have read Plato, um, and he writes in the form of dialogue. So they're like plays. Mm. Um, and Socrates is always the central character. Right. So he creates these dramas where Socrates is engaging with, with someone about the, the big questions mm. what is justice what is virtue what is knowledge the things that they were that you know that they were grappling with mm. and um and it was from those dialogues that plato was able to mm. to to form his theories his philosophical theories mm. yeah 
So, that, so yes, and, and, and then, you know, then philosophy goes in decline after, the, after the, that golden age mm. um, with the rise of the Roman Empire, um, the collaboration between church and state in Rome, mm. and the formation of the church. Not much scope for big questioning. No, philosophy in the West nearly died for 1,500 yes. years. So they banned books, um, philosophers were exiled. Mm. Or, or killed. Um, <coughs> it wasn't till the Renaissance, um, and in in philosophy, we we use the term Renaissance as a Renaissance of classical thought. Yes. So after the medieval period, when you didn't get burned at the stake, or or you know meet some other mm. terrible end, um, you your mind was free to you know begin to philosophize as the early Greeks had. Yes. So, um, so there's the third big, big moment. Yes, <laughs> that's the echo chamber. Another echo. <laughs> yeah. Slightly more delightful. Yeah. Um, uh, so, gosh, this is a real nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Somebody said anything that can be said in a nutshell should stay in a nutshell. But <laughs> you know what to do. Yeah. Um, but it gives us a good idea. Yeah. So it. So the ideas of the ancient Greeks, as, as I said, really the ideas of the, pre the, the pre-Socratics haven't, m most of the ideas haven't stood the test of time. The questions have. Yes. Um, but their, you know, their resolutions haven't. Mm. But when you read them, the clarity of thought and the Even curiosity. To the yeah, to yeah. ask the question. Um, we can learn a lot about yes. that kind of thinking um, and aim for that, you know, yes. to ask genuine questions because you really want to know. Yeah. And well, you want you... to know just not for your sake, but for all our sakes. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, what, what are the positive benefits of doing this? Right. Because, because on one level you're engaging in a thankless task because, <laughs> because you know like I've, I've, I've said before one of the things I've noticed is our minds like finishes mm. right yeah you know if I again let's use pens again if I was to throw the pen up and throw the pen down your mind is going to be processing it but not happy until mm. such time as it's come to rest in my hand because we yeah. like things to have come to an end yeah but essentially what we're saying here is we're engaging in a mm. in a in a pursuit where we're not going to get to the answer no but it but at the same time, you know, it's more, it's more the value of the questioning yeah. than the actual, mm. I've got the answer. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, um, and so what are the I benefits think, of even engaging in this, would you say? Well, can I just comment on what, yeah. what you were just saying? Um, that, you know, more and more it seems that we, we show ourselves as sort of creatures of closure. Like we, that yes. word closure is, gets used. Creatures of closure. Yeah. Like that. We, yeah. So, you know, it's like your endings. We want to, to close things. Yes. And it gives us some sense of being in control, I suppose, and that we're observing something that, um, that you know, has a beginning, a middle and an end. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that we can move on from. Um, and um, and and we we can't do that in philosophy because um, we we need to keep we need to keep asking and the and the phenomenology of life 
has no closure. <laughs> there is no boundary. There is no place where things start and finish. It's um, so so we can't do that yes. in philosophy. But in a way, that's one of the advantages that you know you, you you're challenged to to keep an open mind to to not just identify things um, as you think they are, but mm. to stay open to the possibility that that it might not be that. Yes. Yeah, and and often, you know, you're you're right to do that because you 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 you're a bit misguided in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, until you engage with someone else, like yeah. you were saying before, when we engage with each other, then it's sort of like coherence theory of knowledge. Yes. That yeah, yes. and a correspondence theory of knowledge. There are two main theories that we. Mm. by which we, we, we can gain some empirical knowledge at least. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so keeping an open mind, I think, is one of the benefits. And, yeah. um, and it means that life is more interesting. Um, and, um, I mean, it can also be difficult. Like when, when somebody asks me, what do you do, for example, if I'm, you know, in a gathering of especially of an evening, <laughs> yeah. there's wine and so on. There's People wine. ask me what I do and I tell them and then they just sort of glaze over and then they just walk away from me. Yeah. Or <laughs> they probably stayed for hours. Yeah, well, it's very rare. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, it's rare. Uh, and so, you know, you mentioned before that um, philosophy, the, you know, the, it's almost like a dirty word in some, you know, in some ways. It's just... Yeah, maybe maybe it seems like big, scary, esoteric, mm -hmm. undefinable. Makes people's heads hurt. Uh, yeah, and that's true. Yes. <laughs> In the beginning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, we like ends. We mm. like predictable outcomes. We like yeah. to reduce things down. Yeah. You know. How many times do you hear someone say, you know, well, the one thing that person, or the one thing that will sort this thing out, the one thing. The one thing. The one yeah. thing. And I've and, always said it. Oh, yeah, and I've always. <laughs> the one thing. The one thing, I've always said it. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, and I have found now that as soon as somebody comes to me with mm. the one thing, yeah. particularly in the sales and marketing mm -hmm. environment, run for the hills, you haven't got a clue. <laughs> no, you say that's a bit pre-Socratic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a bit. Yeah. But there you go. There you go. Well, it's, X marks the spot down. of opening yeah. up a discussion anyway. Yeah, yeah. So let's good. talk about the one thing then, shall we? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know, and then off we go. So. Can I just say, yeah. I'm talking, you know, off the top. I mean, I've benefited enormously mm. um, from reading philosophy. Um, and I think it's. Uh, if it's true for me, I think it's also true for quite a few other people. There you go, people. that's a question. Yeah, um, that um, it, it's a moral pursuit. Mm. So I feel a moral obligation to, um, to, to use the, faculty that I, the faculties I have mm. um, to, to be in the pursuit of knowledge and, and truth and to act accordingly. I think to, yeah. that's the really big thing mm, mm. for me. That's what's drawing me further into this. I had a bit of yeah. a discussion this in previous podcasts, but it, it's it's that to really start to 
engage and wrestle with this. What is reality? What is yeah. knowledge? What is right and wrong? And mm -hmm. then act according mm -hmm. yeah. to that. Yeah. So just, it doesn't mean that we all have to agree, but it, to me it does bring about a greater level of transparency between how we interact mm -hmm. with people. There's a greater level, yeah. there's a greater openness to respect. Yeah. You know, if, 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 I, if, if you and I are sitting down to converse or we're going to get into a project together or something like that, if you're clear about how you want to work or not, and I know you've done the work mm. and you know I've done the work to nut out what's right and wrong yes. for me and my life. Yeah. And you know, it's not to say that I've got it nutted, but currently this is, mm. this, this is where I find myself in the yeah. world. Yeah. My views on reality are this, mm. my views on my knowledge mm -hmm. are this, my view on what's right and wrong is this, and this is how I'm going to yeah. act on that, but not so dogmatically that it can't move from one place yeah. to another based on, you know, because I don't have to be right all the time. No. Um, then what a more peaceful and easier going world to live in, yeah, eh? Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And yeah, no, I, I really, I really appreciate what you're saying. And, um, and the study of ethics, of course, is the, one of the three major areas of um, philosophy. And um, that goes back to Aristotle. Mm. Uh, well, at least he he systemized a theory of knowledge of mm. um, of ethics and uh, it's referred to as virtue ethics, mm. and and then um, so there are three key theories and and the the, the theorists in philosophy they try to understand um, human nature in order to develop um, a theory. So Aristotle Aristotle um, reason that um, people want to be virtuous mm. and and so um, and we can and we judge each other by our virtue we judge each other whether we're good or bad so he figured that putting together a system of virtue would would um, s satisfy what we already do um, and he would help us by presenting the system to us to do it well, mm. so um, so he identified the sort of um, the key virtues. For the Greeks, it was you know courage and justice and um, temperance and um, fortitude and um, and and then he you know he he re he he identified what the deficits were. Mm. So with courage, for example, the deficit is, um, is um, cowardice and the excess is recklessness. Mm. So he just created this whole sort oh, of toxonic, like yeah. The bell curve of it. The yeah. bell curve of it, yeah, yes. that's right. Too yeah. little shows yeah, up like yeah, this, yeah. too much shows mm. up like this. The dial's yeah. probably less bell curve, more dial. Yeah, but it is. It sometimes does get referred to as a bell curve, yes. and yeah, and 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 a dial. So you've yeah. you've, you've nailed it. And I think, <laughs> I think also as well to what you put forward there that mm. you know most people are virtuous. Mm. Most, I think most people do want to live yeah. a, 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 a meaningful, fulfilling, mm. um, 
I say the word easygoing, I mean, as in easygoing as in de-stressed from the levels of anxiety that we yeah. deal with now. You know, we want, we want to be able to engage in an endeavor that brings us meaning and probably gives us an opportunity to expand. We want to live in a nice place, look after the ones that we love, mm. contribute to our community. Yeah. And, and, you know, I might be going out on a limb here, but I would say that probably applies for the mm. vast majority of the people on the planet. Yeah. Yet, we seem to be polarized or, or the presentation of content whether it's not just social media, but also the news and the yeah. newspaper, because it's set often the the content delivery set in possibly you know what it is in a con, you know consumer capitalist basis. Yeah, it is polarizing as more, and so therefore we're going out into the world, probably possibly in error, thinking that the people around me are, are, are so much more different. Mm. And so therefore that can leave me quite anxious and unsure of where That's I am so in the world. Yeah. And so by actively engaging mm. in interaction about people's morality, mm. people's virtues, then we can start to potentially see there's greater overlap. So we can all just mm. take a breath mm. and, and be a, a little bit yeah. peaceful in the mm. world and confident yeah. in the world. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, do, it does make sense. and um, It strikes me as another yeah, huge so, benefit of it even just engaging in the mm, pursuit of this. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that sense of, of um, anxiety about not knowing the other or, you know, sort of um, dehumanising, um, depending on the, the amount of difference between who we regard as the other one, um, uh, that anxiety is, is is there because there are bad apples, you know, as Locke, Locke you know, yes. the English philosopher. Yes. Um, yeah. That um, you know, so there, we we know that there are bad apples, but we don't know who they are. So it creates uncertainty. Yes. And so, in order to alleviate that anxiety we conform to a social contract where we hand over our rights to the government to protect us by yes. laws and capital punishment and incarceration and so on, so that we, yeah. the government deals with that element that we're yes. afraid of that causes that anxiety that you referred to. Um, but yours is a much more um, you know, communal way that we, we, if we take back some of that yeah, pull that, the contract that back a bit. That we've, yeah, pull the contract yeah. back a bit, which is, um, uh, I, I don't want to keep mentioning philosophers, but, um, but the, the social contract theorists have all had a view on, um, uh, on how, how much we give over, how much we should give over. Mm. And, um, and it's more Rousseau, you know, Rousseau, the Swiss philosopher who... Yes. It's more, you know, you're more Rousseauian than you are Hobbesian or Lockean. Because right. <laughs> Hobbes said that we just descend into the state of nature through fear yes. of, of, um, of, you know, man against man, as he called it, yeah. and outright war when we're in our state of uh, nature. The, the animal, the socialised, and then the moral. Well, he says we yeah. descend into this state of nature, that, you know, life is sort of 
uh, nasty, brutish and short, brutish and short. That's his famous sort of thing yes. from the Leviathan. Um, and in order to protect ourselves from the threat of nature, we give our, pa our rights over yes. um, to the government. So he's got a really pessimistic view of human nature mm. that we have to hand it all over to the king in his case because yeah. you know, he's writing in the, in the 17th century. From, yeah. from ourselves. Yeah, to protect us from ourselves, yeah. Um, and then Locke agrees with him that, that the state of anarchy is to be defended against. Yes. Um, uh, but he, he takes that view that I mentioned before, that it's, we're not all, you know, sort of um, greedy, murderous beasts mm. like Hobbes did in the thought we are in the state of nature. He, as I said, he thinks that some of us do the wrong thing. Yes. And that's what creates the anxiety for us, not that we're going to descend into a state of nature. But, um, but Hobbes is writing during the, the Civil War in England. Yes. And, um, and so, so that sets the you context. Know, that's the context. Yeah. 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 And again, you know, that may have been several hundred years ago, mm. but here we are now yeah. in 2020, mm. whereby, um, you know, how much of that social contract has the entities that are on the other side of it suddenly gone, oh no, we'll take a, a bit more of the land oh, grab. Yeah, yeah. Under the guise mm. of we'll keep you safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think one of the one of the big one of the big ponderances for me this year, and listeners will have heard me talk about this before in different podcasts, but it's probably it, it was a real switch for me was when Mark McGowan came out and originally told us that we have to stay at home and this, that, and the other, yeah. the next person he handed over to was the chief of police. Right. And said, I have empowered this person and his guys and girls to, to make sure you all do ball. this. Right? Yeah. And I th was the, what I started to ponder with is, to start with, it was, why do we live in a society where that has to occur and then the and then after a period of, and and you know i tried that with a few friends and like the answers mm. to them is obvious it's like oh because there's dickheads out there and they need to be told and this that and the other yeah but then my next question came was just a subtle refinement of that which is why do we accept living in a society where that has to happen what's the alternative <laughs> But why do we accept it? Yeah, you know, it's, there almost again, it's this fear of the state of nature in, in ourselves. Indeed, yeah, the fear of yeah, maybe uh, Freud's id. Yeah, 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 that yeah. That animal. rapacious sort yeah. of the Lord of the <laughs> Flies within us. Lord of the Flies, yeah, <laughs> and we see elements of it. Yes, you know, some of the big demonstrations in America. Well, I think we've had element times yeah. here and in Britain yeah. where there's a breakout of that Hobbesian state of nature. Yes. And, uh, and then the police come with their riot squad. And, and so we've, we've given our power to the police to mm. do that. Mm. And so when, you know, when the, that movement in America that says we want to defund the police, um, you know, whilst I'm sympathetic to the view when police have been, you know, found guilty of, of murdering black people. Yeah. Um, to take that power back, where, where, where's, where's it going to go? go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And and yeah, yeah. and has everybody got the mm. um, the moral structure and the boundaries mm. and the dependability and the humility yeah. to receive that? Yeah, yeah. So one of the it's probably a big question as well, but um, that like even even there you, you were saying how. I was leaning more towards a, a Rousseau type, yeah. you know, bringing the sort of moral development back into us as adult, uh, as, as humans, and how that could impact society yeah. versus the Hobbesian. You know, there's an, there's a scary animal within all of us, yeah, yeah, yeah. And da, 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 da. on one level, it would be easy. For me, and this is what I've sort of been wrestling with recently. Yeah. On one level, it would be easy for me to go, well, you know, you've got these two competing, um, um, almost yeah, views on philosophy. Yeah. And you know, one is right, one is wrong. Both are right, both are wrong, etc., etc., etc. To what degree do you suspect that they're all? correct but they reflect a level of development or ease and evolution as we move individually through life and then collectively oh that's an interesting question it is a big question yeah yes. i could answer it on different levels really do, do you see yeah, what i, I mean I because what you're saying. yeah you've already said mm. was it hobbes wrote what he did mm. with the backdrop of an english civil war yeah. so that's going to have a certain it's foolish of us at times, I think, to look back on, to discredit thinking and philosophy from the past because you're like, well, they came up with that answer. They haven't got a yeah. clue. But it's like, no, but that's, that was mm. leading edge at that point in time. Yeah, that's right. And now yeah. we've moved on. Mm. You know, yeah. there's, there's a great thought experiment. I can't remember who, 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 I think it was like Eric Weinstein or his brother, said that, you know, as I look back, I have held beliefs, which I now look back at and shudder with embarrassment <laughs> yeah. about. And you go, what the fucking hell was I thinking yeah, about yeah, that? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yet if I sit mm. here with you now mm. and try to take an audit of all the mm -hmm. beliefs I hold right now, mm. I can't tell you which one's going to be next for that, yeah, for that, for that, yeah, for that thing. For that thing. Yeah. So, you know, to me, that demonstrates that we do develop and evolve as human beings. Therefore, are there different, are there, you know, are all philosophies in theory, without being relativistic, yeah. correct, but they reflect different yeah. levels of journey? It, big question. It, it is a big question. And you're, what, what, you're, what, what I think about when you say that is the struggle in philosophy for um, that um, objective truth versus, mm. you know, empirical knowledge that's based in in our experience and our sensate faculties and from the from the pre-socratics to today um, there are philosophers who cannot accept an empirical view of knowledge uh, per se right uh, that there has to be necessary universal truths that don't change over time you know, that, that it, they're not temporal, they're not societal, they don't pertain to particular cultures. They are, to, they are truths for people in all possible worlds or all conceivable worlds. Mm -hmm. 
um, so they're true for everyone. And I guess maths is an mm. easy one. Two yeah. and two will always be four, whether there's anyone around to count or not. And we don't have to go into the empirical world and get two things and two things to know that it's four. Um, we reason about those things. Yes. Um, so, the, so, so these are the um, you know, objective truths. Mm. Uh, not all maths is objective because like the, we can say that um, mm. the three sides of a triangle equal 180 degrees, but we do have to measure to get that knowledge. Yes. So that's sense that that's sensate exper- um, empirical knowledge. Yes. And some philosophers are just not interested in it. Yes. We're seeking, especially in ethics, we're seeking necessary universal truths that we can all live by. And, uh, and I guess my interest is more it, it, um, is in ethics, like how, how do we mm. act? But in order to figure that out, I've studied epistemology <laughs> and you know uh, metaphysics and um, as the, all the philosophers have. So when yeah. you engage in philosophy, that's what you have to do. do. That's it, that's the yes. task, yeah. Um, so, um, so, so I've forgotten your question now. So it's, it's our different philosophies oh, yeah, are yeah, reflection yeah. of different levels of development. Yeah, yeah. So the empiricists say yes, yes. and that's true. Mm. Because, um, you know, what, what we discover at, mm. at one time in one context changes and you, you, you identif- you've identified that. But, but other philosophers, and they refer to as the rationalists, and going back to the pre-Socratics, Parmenides was a rationalist, and Heraclitus that people have, mm. may have heard of, you know, he's the one who said you can never step in the same river twice, so he's got this, this view oh, more that everything's in flux and yes. changing, um, and, um, and that's, that's the truth about mm. life. But Parmenides, Plato, Kant, and others have said, that's not good enough. We have yeah, to, if we're going to survive, we have to find, you know, universal, necessary truths that we can all live by. Yes. So let's take ethics, for example, which of course is very important. Um, so can we find a necessary, universal um, truth? Let's just find one and see how we go. Um, it could be something like... Um, uh, we should never kill innocent people. Yeah. Um, but there's an argument against that. The just war theory, yes. for example, um, puts the kibosh on that. Um, so we can, we can keep seeking. You see, this is the thing about philosophy. We have to keep seeking and seeing mm. instances where, you know, where that, that universal truth breaks down. Um, but I... I, I will never stop wanting there to be necessary universal truths. Yes. Even though they're incredibly hard to find. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. And I think, I think what, what it means to me is that we talk together, like using your model, that we talk together mm. because then we can find a place, even though we haven't got an, a definitive answer, we can find the best possible solution to it, um, which could be, well, you know, we, we've, we, we start to demonstrate against war, like we, you know, we, we actively engage in the things that get in the way of that universal moral truth <laughs> uh, to be realised. Mm. 
in an ideal world. Yes. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Yes. Am I answering the question, Bryn? Well, there was never going to be a yes or a no. No, that's that? true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think when you interview somebody like me, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but you've got the you've got the brain space to you know to engage, which makes this interview yeah. really pleasant for me. Thank you. Mm, yeah. Good. Good. And and that's. I mean, look. In part, that's that's been the journey of doing mm. of doing the podcast, and, and yeah. those that have listened to many of the conversations will have seen me and them evolve, um, and with that, you know, hold more nuance mm. and tension of opposites. You know, yeah, I've mentioned before, and I mentioned before with you that um, on one level, doing this podcast has ruined me. Yeah, because because I can't do a quick reduction list. No. conversations yeah. it's like no that just mm, doesn't mm, mm. that doesn't work yeah and it doesn't nourish me and my mm. bullshit detector's going off yeah that, oh that's so good to hear yeah and and so but that but then the ability to hold nuance yeah the tension of opposites mm. all of that that takes development and, and yeah. that takes repetition to yeah. hold mental spaciousness mm. and emotional spaciousness yeah you know because i can sit yeah. and listen to some stuff and get like all sorts of stuff's going like mm -mm. this person talking shite, yeah. you know. But yeah. that's not helpful mm. because there could be an element of truth in there. In there, yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah, I I think it gives you the intellectual rigor, the intellectual strength to question your own views as well as mm. the views of others, and um, and I guess that's what's been happening for you. Yeah, you know through this process. Um, hmm. um, but at the same time, it's difficult to describe exactly, but particularly um, um, I mean, even with the with the brief background you gave about yourself. Yeah. Um, about, you know, you got burnt out and then you started to look for something else. So yeah. there's almost like this pushback from the world. And I've started to see that pattern has turned up in over a hundred podcasts. Is so that there's, right? So there's yeah. almost like a pattern yeah. of things occurring. I can't tell you the actual subjective expression of it. No. But, but so, so how it arrives is different and interesting. Yeah. The fact that it arrives is not wholly unsurprising now. Yeah, right. That's so it's, it's finding that, yeah, yeah. again, mm. and it's holding that balance mm, between, mm. there seems to be a universal truth that's also relatively mm. um, expressed. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, for it to be universal, it has to be true for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess people in the helping profession yes. are likely to experience that. Mm. But as I burn out or whatever you want to call it, mm. um, and I guess we could predict that a certain percentage of us will, you know, will come to that. Mm. I think you were wise <laughs> in your decision. You, know? right. you didn't get to the point where you got burnt out. Oh, I had plenty of um, pushback from the world. <laughs> um, yes, but in your decision about psychology, yes, to you know to. To branch out into doing organizing was it organ organizational organizational psychology, psychology. Yes. yeah um, 
like doing you know the cold face sort of work for you know for many many years um, then you know it the, it's the wear and tear mm. on oneself is can be immense really um, so yeah learning to take care of ourselves is mm. <gasps> so earlier we were talking about I think it was you know, uh, this idea of being able to share what are we resonating where we are mm. most with whether it's the the reality knowledge or, or, or morals and I've asked you a lot of questions yeah. from here. What are you, what's the big thing you're resonating on at the moment? So you, mm. as somebody who engages in the mm. thought, what are, some, what are some of the biggest questions that are popping up for you at the moment? At the moment. Um, well, everything we've been talking about. <laughs> right. really. um, because the work that I do is really about helping people to question, for us to question our prejudices and biases so that there's less harm in the world. Mm. We do less harm to each other. I guess that's, that's really important to me. And I think, I think one way of doing that is, is to teach mm. philosophy. Yes. Um, and, and that is um, to question, um, question our beliefs, expose uh, our biases, our, you know, the, um, that the harmful beliefs that we have and that don't serve us and that don't serve and, and each other. So that, that's really my primary work. And I, th I think I've had a very strong feeling about racism all, all my life. Mm. Um, and, and I think that really underpins my work. I don't ever run a session on racism or yeah. I rarely talk about it, um, but my, that's what my work is about, mm. about trying to free ourselves uh, from harmful views mm. and beliefs. And um, my dad fought in, in the war in Burma. Right. And, um, and when he came home, he was absolutely shattered. Yes. And um, he, he died young, so I, I didn't have the benefit, unfortunately, of the, a good father, which he was. Mm. Um, but they, um, they televised in the 19, um, late 1950s the Eichmann trial. Well, they'd filmed the yeah. Eichmann trials in, in um, Germany. Mm. And then they put them on the BBC in the late 50s. And my father used to stay up and watch them. And, um, and I didn't like leaving him on his own. Mm. So I used to stay up with him, and um, and so I I watched these wow. I, the Eichmann trials. Wow! And and I think that was so formative for me, um, and it it really has um, given me the impetus. But I've just realised mm. about doing philosophy. It's, yes. it's all you know. Making these, sense of it that. It makes sense. Making sense of that. Yeah. Yes. And you know, my father being crushed by war, and then the impact that had on us, on our family. But you know, families all over mm. Europe um, uh, at, at that time. 
And I think I mentioned that when you asked for some biographical details, and, yes. I, and I just started by saying I was born in Manchester three years after the war, yes. and the adults around. And, um, and after I'd written, I thought, why did I start out with that? Yes. <laughs> and um, and it's, um, it's because I'd just been reading Hobbes. There you go. <laughs> and he said that, um, he, 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 he wrote an, a, a short autobiography. He said that his mother went into uh, premature labour uh, the day that she'd heard that the Spanish Armada had landed on the coast of Ireland right. and was coming for England. And she, um, so he referred to himself as a twin of fear. Right. And that, so that, and his whole philosophy is based in fear. Leviathan mm. is about fear. Yes. And defending against fear and creating a political philosophy to protect us from the, the, the fear of this state of nature when war breaks out, war, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I'd been reading Hobbes yeah. Uh, for the session I was going to be running um, the next week. And so that that's why I... It just came out. So, but of course, he, Hobbes didn't know intrauterine what the armada was, um, but his mother's anxiety... Yes. ...he knew about. Um, so I think I knew about my parents' anxiety and the anxiety of the adults around me after mm. the war. Manchester was bombed badly. Mm. Um, and, and I, you know, I think that has influenced me um, pursuing this, this mm. path of philosophy in the last stage of my life. Mm. And, um, and I've, helped, I've helped in many, many ways in my profession. Um, but this feels, like, <laughs> this feels like the crown. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a real sense of and it's, it's kind of just switching on for me yeah uh, there's a real sense of no this is the most important yeah. thing to be doing not just yeah. for me but for others and for those that come after me yeah good for you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so if someone's been listening to this yeah and and they're still in it. Right? Still there. Is anybody they're out still there? Still in it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. And they're thinking, <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of people there. Um, and they're thinking, you know, on a crude level, I, I want to get me some of this philosophy on the yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Where'd you start? How'd you go? Yeah. What'd you that, do? That, well, I, I mean, you can, you can enroll in an academic course. Yeah. Um, although they're getting thin on the ground now yeah. because of the, you know, the policies again about you know, um, job ready courses, you know, geared towards the capitalist economy. Yes. And that's, there, that, that, that's a whole, yeah, that's, that's a, a whole, whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, you know, the humanities is suffering badly. Yes. Uh, nonetheless. There, there should still be courses available that um, that you know people can do in academia, but it means enrolling in a um, in a you know in an academic course if you want to get government support. Yes. Otherwise, if you do the odd unit here and there, it, it costs quite a bit. Mm. So you know that that might be prohibitive um, for, for people. But, but that is yeah, one thing. The other thing is um, community courses like the ones that I run. 
Um, I don't do them privately. I just do them for organisations yep. now that I'm sort of, well, I'm not retired. It's not part of my vocabulary, but um, <laughs> but they're very reasonably yeah. priced. The organisation has I, concessions. and. I guess once you put the word philosopher into what you do, you never retire. <laughs> no, that's right. Never. No. never. So sorry, you were yeah, saying yeah. the community. Part. So yeah, um, the Gliding Community Centre runs, um, I run courses there. And I think one of the language teachers runs courses in philosophy as well. Um, there's a Mature Adult Learners Association uh, in Perth, Rockingham and Mandra. I run courses for them. Yeah. Um, other community centres, um, you know, just have a look what you, what the local community learning centre is doing. Mm. Um, University Extension used to run uh, courses in philosophy at night, but mm. um, I think that's a thing of the past now. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not that accessible. Um, we need peripatetic philosophers like Socrates who would just go around and engage yeah. with people in the shops. But if I did that, people would just, I'd get locked up. Think you're a nutter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you're not really, you're far from. Um, it's almost like um, flash philosophizing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You know, like flash mob dancing. Yeah, yeah. flash mob. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I guess, I guess what what's coming out for me is that um, it's one thing to sit and read, mm. but that's only half of the coin. The other yeah. part of it yeah. is to discuss it's doing it and and mm. and and being in amongst that mm. Socratic discussion, yeah. exchange of views, mm. and then so that then begins to really shape. Yeah. And then I suppose the third part is then going out and living by that in the world. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and seeing yeah. how that works for you. Yeah. How should I act? Get the real life mm. feedback. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love it. So, God. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. So the last <laughs> question I ask all my guests, which you're, you're going to love this, um, is if you could upload one question into the collective unconscious, so everybody just sat still for five or ten minutes and considered yeah. it, what would it be? <gasps> How should I act? How should I act? Yeah. Love it. It's very straightforward, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And would I be willing to put my, have my act televised <laughs> on national TV, on national radio? Yeah. <laughs> like and if, if you don't want to, then don't do it. Indeed. <laughs> There we go. There we Mira, go. it's been brilliant talking to you today. Yeah, thank Loved you. Loved it. I hope you enjoyed it too. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I had a sense that I would. I think you responded to a comment I made at a talk about Bill Shanklin, the, the um, no, that wasn't me. manager of no, Liverpool not, Football I'm, Club. I'm not a football. Oh, I thought it was you. No, <laughs> I sat quietly. The person that did respond said, not only was he the best manager of Liverpool Football Club, but he really cared about the people. And I thought that was a lovely thing. Yes. Said that. I thought you had said that. that's the sort of thing you could have said. They are. Yeah. Yes, mine would probably be a bit more rugby orientated. <laughs> Yours would be more rugby orientated. Um, if people want to find you, how can they find you? Um, that's a good question. Um, we have a Facebook page. Well, I did use Facebook, but I don't use it anymore. I did have a uh, have a website, but I don't really use that anymore. <laughs> so. um, 
So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not... At the Gliding Community Centre yeah. in East Fremantle, where I run yeah. the courses. Um, well, or get in touch with me. Yeah. I'll get I'll in touch with you. Get that'll in touch be with great. me and I'll, and I'll yeah, send you that'll to be great. Yes. Yeah. And the Gliding um, are having a summer school, and yep. I'm doing a, a course on Nietzsche. Oh, wow. So we're looking at questions of power and the... Uber, yeah, yeah, Uber person. And, Uber um, person. Yeah, yeah. So... That should be fun. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure oh, been, to you It's just been great. I was a bit nervous. <laughs> I wasn't sure, but you've, you've, you've really treated philosophy and me very well. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you. <laughs> Come <on. laughs>